Good morning, church. So great to be back together. Uh, we are going to have a great time in the Word of God. So I want you to pull out your Bibles, pull out your notes, something to write with. Unless you're using your phone, then that kind of takes care of both things. I'm going to pray for us as we finish up worship, as we come into the Word of God and believe God for great things. I think God's going to speak to you. I'm excited to hear Him myself. These are pregnant moments with the Spirit of God, and I am excited to do this with you this morning. Let's pray together. Jesus, we love you, and we recognize you right now in this room that we're shooting this video, in the rooms that people are sitting in right now, in the highs and the lows of everything that is going on. We thank you that you are present, that you are more present than we know, that you are speaking more than we know, that you are moving more than we know. We thank you that as we open up your word, it is more alive than we know. It is more active than we know. It is more powerful than we know. And as I even just said, Lord, it's more pregnant than we realize. So God, birth your word in us this morning. Speak to us in the power of the Holy Spirit. We recognize that you are alive right now. Make us alive. In Jesus' name, everybody said in the room and in your beds and your breakfast tables, amen, amen, amen. Open up your Bibles to the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah. If you got my Bible, it's page 398. If you don't have my Bible, I don't know what page it's on. We are going to have a great time this morning. I believe God has a word for us, a word. I know I need it. I believe that you need it this morning. I'm encouraged. Nehemiah, we are uh, going to be spending the next three weeks in the book of Nehemiah. We've been doing um, a, a couple of series here, kind of if you've been with us or if you're a part of our church. Several months ago, as a leadership team, we really believed that God spoke to us to take a handful of months this year. This was before COVID hit and everything, but take a few months this year to uh, go through several books of the Bible in three-week chunks. And we just, we want to learn how to read this thing and all the different types of literature and all that kind of stuff. So I hope the last eight weeks or whatever it's been have been helpful for you. I know I have been encouraged as we've talked about how to read the Bible. Can we trust the Bible? We've gone through the book of Luke, which was incredible around the Easter time. My dad, the legendary Stephen C. Zanacco, just preached a great series on the book of Jeremiah. If you missed it, go back and listen to it. We recorded it just for you. So good, so encouraging. In these next three weeks, I'm telling you right now, out of the book of Nehemiah, before we knew COVID was coming, before we knew that this was going to be the moment that we were preaching out of this book, God knew. God is speaking. He's got something to say to you and to me and to us collectively this morning. Nehemiah, we're starting in chapter 1, verse, can you guess it? Verse 1. Let's read a couple of verses together. Now, the words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah, or something. Now it happened in the month of May, in the 20th year, as I was in Susa the Citadel, that Hanani, we got to get past these names quickly, because this is just killing me right now. That Hanani, one of my brothers, came with a certain, came with certain men from Judah. And I asked them concerning the Jews who escaped. Anybody need to escape right now? Who had survived the exile. Who had survived <laughs> the exile and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, the remnant, somebody shout remnant. 
the remnant there in the province who had survived. The exile is in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are destroyed by fire. The book of Nehemiah, chapter 1. Now it happened in the month of May, in the 20th year of the 20th century. I was in the city of Indianapolis during the COVID-19 global pandemic. As the city and the nation began to open up again, that God had a word for his church. I want to preach a message to you this morning. If you can see the screen, you already know it. You were made for this. You were made for this. Are we premiering these videos this week or is that next week? No? All right. We'll do that next week, though. Put it in the comments of this video. You were made for this. Text somebody, touch somebody in your house. If you're around somebody, if you're social distancing, shout across the room. You were made for this. You were made for this. Verse 2 says, now it happened, or no, that Hananiah or something, one of my brothers came with certain men from Judah. Where are we at here? If we... Uh, look back at the series that we just did on Jeremiah that was so amazing. Please again go back and watch it. Jeremiah talks about the people of God. They are exiled and we talked about how God is lover and judge. If that sounds interesting, wait till you listen to the series. But it ends with an exile. The people have been kicked out of their homes. They have become slaves and bound in places they don't want to be. They have less freedom than they used to have. Come on somebody. They've been exiled. 70 years, and the book of Nehemiah picks up at the end of this exile where Jeremiah, that Jeremiah talks about, and we are introduced to Nehemiah. Nehemiah, who has been an exiled Jew, he is now a servant in the house of a foreign king, and the book of Nehemiah begins with some of his friends coming to see him, some of his friends. He says a, a brother, whether that's an actual brother or a, a Jewish brother, some friends, they, they come to him from Judah. They come to him from the place that they had been exiled from, the place that they had been kicked out from. They, they came back. They were coming to him from what used to be normal. They came from normal, from the ways things used to be. They came from back then. They came from back there. They came from over there, and they had something to say to Nehemiah. There have been some Jews that have escaped. They got out. They were essential workers. They didn't have to stay home in exile. They have escaped from exile. They are back to normal. They are back in Judah. They are back in Jerusalem. And Nehemiah, when he sees them, he says, I asked them concerning the Jews who had escaped, who had survived the exile, and I asked them concerning Jerusalem. He wanted to know about the people. He wanted to know about the city. And I want you to know this morning, the people and the city, they're related. They're related. The wellness of a people is related to the wellness of a city. The way a city is doing is directly related to the way the people are doing. Oftentimes, the way people are doing is directly related to how a city is doing. He wants to know about the people. He wants to know about the city. You aren't just a person. You aren't just a person, person, whoever you are, watching this morning, watching this video. You aren't just a person on your own. You are part of a people. 
You are part of a people. You are part of a, 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 a humanity that God loves. You are part of a city. You are part of a nation. And if you are part of this church, you are part of a people. You are part of the people of God in this church. Not just a people on our own. The people that we are is a part of a city. We are not alone. We are not just people. We are a people. And we are not just a people. We are a part of a city. I want you to know that when God sees you, he doesn't just see you. When God sees you, he sees the people that you're a part of, that you're connected with, the people that you're connected with relationally, the people you're connected with spiritually. My friend was telling me this week about California redwoods, massive trees out in California. And part of what makes them so strong is that their roots don't just go out wide up to 100 feet away from their trunk, but their roots will actually start growing together underground. And it's this interconnectedness that makes them who they are. It makes them able to be as strong as they are, as tall as they are. They can stand against the wind that they can stand against. They can stand against the storms that they make it through because they aren't just a tree. They are trees. It's not just a forest. It's, 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 it's a forest. One tree isn't the forest. When God sees you, he sees a people, he sees a city. And I asked them concerning the Jews who escaped, who had survived the exile, and concerning Jerusalem. Nehemiah wants to know, how are the people? How are the people? Not just the individuals, but the whole. How, how are the people? How is the city? Verse 3, his friends say, I've got some good news and some bad news. What, what type of person are you? Are you, a, are you a good news first person or a bad news first type of person? I don't know about you. I, I generally take the good news. And then when I get the bad news, I just try to spin it to make it good news. <laughs> I prefer good news in my life. I've got some good news and some bad news. They don't ask Nehemiah which type of person he is. They just give him the good news first. The good news is, verse 3, look there with me. And they said to me, the good news, the remnant there in the province who had survived, they survived. There is a remnant. That's the good news. There is a remnant who has survived. And they are in Jerusalem. They're alive and they're home. They're alive and they're back. There's a plan to reopen. Quarantine is, I mean, exile is ending. Announcements have been made. Plans have been laid out. Freedom has been tasted. They survived. They, they survived. They got the bills paid. That's good. They, they stayed married. They didn't kick the kids out. They didn't kick the roommates out. They did stay in touch with a few people along the way. They showed up a few Sundays to watch church online. That's the good news. They, they survived, but there's some bad news. The remnant there in the province who had survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are destroyed by fire. See, the governor said things are going to start opening back up again, but they're scared. They, they can go back to work, but they don't have jobs. They're awake physically, but their hearts have become numb. 
during exile, I mean, I mean quarantine, or uh, I don't know what we're talking about here. They were, they were so frustrated. They, they were so frustrated in quarantine. They were so frustrated with the limitations. They were so frustrated with the restrictions. They were so lonely. They were so unsettled. They just wanted things to go back to normal. They just wanted things to be the way that they were. They just wanted to go back to the places they used to be able to go to, to be around the people they used to be able to be around. But now that they can, they don't really know if they want to. (laughs) The wall is broken down. The old structures of life that had defined them, that had given them boundaries, that had made them feel safe, can't protect them anymore. The boundaries that were of where it was safe to be and where it was safe to go and who it was safe to be with. The, the, the lines are all blurry now. The schedule they used to have to mark the beginning and the end of a day is out the window. The places they used to want to go aren't so sure anymore. The rhythms that provided such normalcy are gone. It's all just broken down. And the gates are destroyed by fire. You don't know who you can let in or who you need to keep out. You don't know where to go or where to stay away from. The walls are broken and the gates are burned. You want to know, Nehemiah, how are the people? You want to know, Nehemiah, how is the city? Well, they survived, but they're struggling. How are you doing? How are you doing? God speaks to humanity in the book of Genesis at the very beginning. He says, it's not good for man to be alone. And I may not know all of you, but I do know something about you that it is not good for you to be alone. You are made to be alone, and you're not alone. God is with you. You are part of something. You are a part of a people. You are a part of a city, but you've been alone And you feel alone, and you've been wrestling because you're a Christian, you love God, you've got faith, you've survived, but dang, you're struggling. All through history, humanity has gone through ups and downs, thing after thing. Pandemic after pandemic, war after war, life after life, relationship after relationship, high after high, low after low. Humanity goes through this and every time this happens, a person or a people or a city is left alive but alone. A people, a person, cities have survived but they are struggling. And every time, that happens, God starts looking. God starts moving. God starts speaking. He's looking. He's looking for someone. He's looking for someone to speak to, someone to call to. He's looking for Simba. He's, he's Nala looking for Simba. He's, he's Mufasa up in the clouds looking for his son. He's looking for somebody to speak to. I know, I know Simba, Hakuna Matata is working for you. That's great for you. You found a nice little place. You found a nice little way to do you. You found a new group of people to chill with. You found a new new way to do life. You got it good. 
You're doing all right. You've got what you need, but the pride needs you. The pride lands need you. Remember who you are. As far as God speaking to me, it's the Bible, my wife, and just after that is the Lion King. So many people are asking right now, what is God doing? What is God doing? Can I tell you what God's doing right now? God is looking for Nehemiah. He is looking for Nehemiah, a person, a people, a city, a church, a remnant in the wreckage, someone he can call to, someone he can call on, someone he can speak to, and he can tell you, I know you didn't sign up for this. You may not like this. You didn't want this. You might even be in a situation where you could get away ignoring this, but you were made for this. You were made for this. Nehemiah gets some good news and some bad news. And instead of running away, Nehemiah realizes, I was made for this. I want to talk about four things with all a few minutes left together that I want to emulate from Nehemiah's life, that I want us to emulate from Nehemiah's life as the church, as the people of God, because I don't want to miss what I'm made for. What does Nehemiah do after he realizes, I was made for this? As you continue reading verses 4 through 11, verse 4, we'll just look at it. As soon as I heard these words, I sat down and I wept and I mourned for days. And I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. And I said, oh Lord, oh God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Let your ear be attentive. Let your eyes be open to hear the prayer of your servant that I now pray before you day and night for the people of Israel, your servants, confessing that since he goes after God, he goes in. He goes in. I love this about Nehemiah. The first thing he does is he signs up. I want you to write that down. Sign up. That's the first thing you got to do if you want to be Nehemiah. When you realize you were made for this, he signs up. He doesn't get lost in his questions. How'd the walls break down? Why'd the walls break down? How bad is it? Will they ever get back up by themselves? Who's going to go fix it? How could God let the walls fall? Where was God when the walls were falling? He doesn't get lost in his question. He just steps in and he seeks the one who is the solution. He realizes that the brokenness, if you read this prayer, he starts confessing not just the sins of the people, not just the sins of his fathers, his own sins. He realizes that the brokenness of the world is not because God's angry. It's not because God's distant. It's because we broke it. He didn't have time to get mad at God. He says, God, I repent for the brokenness in the world. He didn't break, Nehemiah didn't break the walls down. It wasn't God's punishment on Nehemiah for breaking the walls down. It's just part of the brokenness. Part of the brokenness. Doesn't get lost in his questions. Realizes that the brokenness is humanity's fault, not God's fault. So instead of blaming God, Nehemiah signs up and he seeks God. God, speak. God, come and move. God, come. And he goes on and he says, God, forgive us of our sins. And he starts, he recalls the word of the Lord where he said, if you sin, there will be brokenness. But verse 9, he says, but you also said, if you return to me, 
and keep my commandments and do them, though though your outcasts are in the uttermost parts of heaven. From there I will gather them, says the Lord, and bring them to the place that I have chosen and make my name dwell there. Nehemiah signs up and says, God, I'm coming back to you. I don't know how to sort all this out, but for one, I'm coming to you. I'm coming back. Straighten out anything inside of me. I don't know what you're doing, but you're doing something and whatever it is, I'm signing up. God, I know you want to build something. I don't know what it is or how we're going to do it, but I'm in. He continues on in chapter 2. Nehemiah goes to work to give the king his cup. And the king says, Nehemiah, you never look sad. And I know you're not sick. What's going on inside of you? See, Nehemiah gets a burden for his people. Gets a burden for the work of God. He doesn't just look at himself. He doesn't just think about his own concerns. He gets a burden from God and the work of God. He knows God doesn't want brokenness. God wants to build. But we're in the middle of brokenness. Which means God must be starting to build. If there's brokenness, it isn't because God sent it. It's because we broke it. So what's God doing? He's building. Let's do that. The king says, Nehemiah, what do you need? Nehemiah says, things aren't good for my people. And the king says, so what are you asking? And I love Nehemiah. He signs up. Verse, there's a verse that he says it. Verse five, send me to Judah. Send me. Send me, God. Send me to Judah that I might rebuild it. Can I tell you this morning, don't check out now. Not now. Not now. Not now. Don't stop showing up to Sunday mornings online now. I know. I know. I know. It's different. It's not what it used to be. But don't check out now. Don't check out of your life group text now. Don't check out of your, 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 your Bible now. Don't put it away now. Don't, don't put it away now. Don't, don't miss Living Room Live on Wednesdays now. Not now. That's fine if you missed it the last handful of weeks, but not now. Don't, don't miss it now. Don't get comfortable eating breakfast in your bed while you sort of watch worship and kind of that's the best we can do right now, but don't get comfortable there right now. Not now. Not now. Don't, don't start wondering right now, maybe I'll just do church this way now. Maybe, maybe I'll just do life this way now. Maybe I'll just... Keep to myself now, not now, not now, not now. Now is the time to sign up. It's not time to check out. Sign up. Number two, survey the damage. Survey the damage. Chapter 2, verse 11 through 16, Nehemiah goes to Jerusalem Verse 11, I went to Jerusalem and was there three days. Then I arose in the night, I and a few men with me, and I told no one. Somebody say, I told no one. I told no one what my God had put into my heart to do for Jerusalem. There was no animal with me but the one on which I rode. It was me and my horse and my guys and nobody else. We got up late at night when everybody else was sleeping, and we went for a walk. In the verses, he says, I went to this valley. And I went to that gate, and I went to the other gate, and I went to the other gate, and it was all broken. I checked on this that used to be there, and it was gone. I surveyed the damage. Do you know you need to survey the damage? You need to know what broke. 
See, when you're just building something, you can just start from scratch. But when it's time to rebuild, it's different. Rebuilding is different. You, you got to find out what, what stood through the shaking. What fell exactly? Survey the damage. You need to know what's broken. How bad is it? This isn't about being pessimistic. This isn't about being doomsday and all of that kind of stuff. This is just about being honest. Let's be honest. What's broken here? What's, what's broken here? What's broken here? Not so I can get depressed, but so that I can get some faith. If it's broken, God wants to build. When I, when I survey the damage, I get clearer on my assignment. See, faith isn't the fantasy that's not, that nothing is broken. It's the hope that anything can be fixed. Verse 17. Verse 17. Give the people what they want. Faith isn't the fantasy that nothing is broken. It's the hope that anything can be fixed. He goes on a ride. He doesn't need to talk about it. He doesn't need to post it on Instagram. He doesn't need to vent to all of his people. He doesn't need everybody to know how sad it is. There's a few people there, but not everybody. Can I tell you there's a difference between somebody and everybody? (laughs) Please tell somebody. But not everybody. He said, I don't need to talk to everybody. I got God. And I got the people on my side. Verse 17. He comes back. He surveyed the damage. He knows how bad it really is. He went back and revisited some of those relationships and found out how broken they were. He went and revisited some of those things he used to believe and found out he wasn't sure if he believed them anymore. He went and he found out some of those habits that had broken that he didn't know if he could ever get them back again. He went and he visited some of those places he used to have hope for that he doesn't know if he has hope for anymore. He goes and he finds out the places that he used to feel so strong that were now shaken and broken down. He knows how bad it is. He surveyed the damage. And so where does this leave Nehemiah? Verse 17. And so then this is like the next morning. He's got his guys and he says, you see the trouble we are in. Just so we're all clear, we're in trouble. You see it. He's not asking. He's just making the statement. You see it. You see it. I see it. We all see it. We're not pretending it's not here. We're not pretending we're not scared. We're not pretending we're not confused. We're not pretending that we got all the answers. We're not pretending we know what to do next. We're not pretending this is comfortable. We're not pretending this is convenient. We're not pretending this is preferable. But come, let us build the wall. Come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer suffer derision. That we, somebody say we, underline we, that we may no longer suffer derision. Nehemiah didn't used to live in Jerusalem, but now it's we. Jerusalem used to be they. Now it's we. See, when you step into pain, it becomes your pain. You might be doing good, but not everybody is. 
And it's good to feel sorry for people and say, I hope they're doing better. But who are the people you can step into? Who, where's the Jerusalem you can step into? Where's the pain that you need to step into so that it's not just their pain, it's your pain? There is power in being present with each other as we survey the damage. I become we. You and me become us. Are are, are we just going to sit here and wait for somebody else to build this thing? Or are we going to do it? Come let us, you and me, we, let's do this. Let's build the wall. In verse 18, and they said, let's rise up and build the wall. Let's do it. Verse 18, so they strengthened their hands for the good work. Can I tell you, God's got good work to do. I want to tell you it's work. Don't be surprised when you start sweating. Don't be surprised when it hurts. Don't be surprised when there's aches and pains that come along with it. Work is work, but it is good work. God is doing a good work in these days. They strengthen their hands for the good work. Can we be honest? There's an odd strength that comes in being honest. Isn't there? Survey the damage. Sometimes strengthen your hands. It's honest. It's it's honest to survey the damage. There's a strength that comes with knowing what the situation really is. Even if it's uglier than you thought, even if it's worse than you thought, at least now you know. At least now you know. I'm more discouraged than I thought, but at least now I know. At least I know. Now I can strengthen my hands and get to work. I want you to know this morning you can trust God with the severity of the damage. And when you do, you will find the strength to start building. Survey the damage. So in chapter 3, the story continues. With the people who have signed up, they have surveyed the damage, they have strengthened hands, and they begin to build. Their hands are strong, their hearts are bought in, and they begin to build. And as you read chapter 3, I love the list. It just lists everybody who was building, and here's the gist of it. Everybody. (laughs) It wasn't the construction workers who got to work. It was everybody. Everybody had something to do. Everybody had a part to play. Everyone, every sphere. It lists brothers, daughters, goldsmiths, blacksmiths, perfumers, merchants, What business do they have building a wall? Everybody pitches in. See, skills build a wall, but it's hearts that build a vision. There was something bigger to build. There was something bigger to build. They they, they weren't just building a wall. They were building a vision. And the good news is, is that building a vision doesn't always take skill, but it always does take serving. And that's number three. Serve the vision. Serve the vision. If you want to be part of rebuilding what God wants to rebuild, you've got to sign up and, and, and survey the damage and serve the vision. I've got a question for you. As you look forward to things now opening up, what vision are you building? What vision are you building? What blueprint are you going off of? Who are you following? Who are you emulating? What values are you pursuing? Who has a vision that you want to live for? Who has an end game that you want to go after? Who are you trying to impress? See, some of you have been having a real hard time in all of this. It's been hard. You've been struggling, not hearing God, 
not feeling God, not seeing God, not knowing what God is doing, not knowing where God is at, not knowing if God is even with you. He is. (laughs) Yes, he is with you. God is with you, and so is the pain. The pain is with you, and the pain is real. The pain is real, and I want you to know this this morning about the pain that you've been feeling, the pain that you've been going through, the pain that you've been experiencing. The pain is not from God, but God's going to use it. God, and God's not just going to use it. God is using it right now. I'm speaking of the pain that you're feeling right now, and you need to listen to that pain for a second because God's using it. He didn't send it, but he's using it to shout something to you. The pain is loud, and I know it's loud. Don't quiet it down here for just a second. Just let the pain shout that it's not good for you to be alone. Listen. Listen for just a second. It's shouting at you. Don't do this on your own. Don't do this on your own. I want to exhort you this morning, church. I want to exhort some people. I want to exhort a people. Learn this lesson in this season, church. Don't make yourself come back to something like this to learn it again. Just learn it now. <laughs> learn it once. I don't know if you ever got spanked as a kid, but I did like only once or 200 times. I don't know how many it was. It would have been easier to just learn it the first time. Learn this lesson. Let it hurt enough to learn. Learn this lesson, church. Yes, be an introvert. Yes, get alone time. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about don't do this alone. Don't do this alone. Don't do this alone. You are an individual. Yes, you are an individual that God knows, that God loves, that God knit together and he called you and you are a part of this people. That God knows, that God loves, that God knit together, that God called and this people is part of a city. That God knows, that God loves, that God knit together and God has called. God has a vision to build. God's got a vision to build, and it's a church that the gates of hell cannot prevail against. He has a vision of his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven, and it is time to start working towards getting back together so that we can start rebuilding together. Don't do this alone. God's got a vision to build with you. God's got a vision to build with us. God's got a vision to build with us, a vision to preach this gospel of the kingdom, the good news that Jesus is alive, the good news that that he offers forgiveness and redemption by grace through faith in his son Jesus, good news that you can know God, you can walk with God, you can hear from God, you can talk to God, you can be part of the work of God every day, everywhere you are, everything you do. I've got good news that Jesus is alive. And the kingdom of God is at hand. God's got a vision in this house. And we're doing it with a heart to make others great. God's got a vision to build with us. A vision to build, to fan into flame the gifts of God in each other's life. That we might be built up by one another. A vision to see healing and deliverance in all people. So that everybody can step into the will of God and to run the race that he has marked out for them. We want you free. We want you whole. We want you healthy. 
Because God's planted greatness inside of you. And everything gets better when it comes out. We've got a vision to build. We've got something to build. Sight sees a torn down wall. Vision sees a rebuilt wall. Serve the vision. God's not looking for complainers. And God's not looking for critics. He is looking for those with strengthened hands and a mind to work. And speaking of critics and complainers, the fourth thing we got to learn from Nehemiah, stand firm. Stand firm. Chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. Now when, here we go, some more names. When Sanballat heard that we were building the wall, he was angry. He posted about it on Facebook. And he was so greatly enraged that he left a comment on my post. And he jeered at the Jews. And he said in the presence of his brothers and of the army of Samaria, what are these feeble Jews doing? What is she doing? Will they restore it for themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they finish up in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of rubbish and burned ones at that? Did you like that sentence I just put together? Wasn't that a good one? I worked on it six times. Tobiah, the Ammonite, was beside him, and he said, yeah, what are they building? If a fox goes up on it, he'll break down their stone wall. <laughs> LOL. <laughs> Sambalat and Tobiah. Even their mamas didn't like them, giving them names like that. We actually meet these guys back in chapter 2, but they show back up right here in chapter 4. We meet them in chapter 2 right when Nehemiah gets to Jerusalem, but here they are again in chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. And I want you to hear something. When you prioritize the work of God, it won't always make you popular with the right crowd. Sometimes you get more attention from the things or the people that you're offending than the things or the people that you're helping. Can we just be honest and get real about this for a second? See, when you do the work of God, you're going to offend some people. Apathetic people get really offended by people of action. Lazy people get really offended by people of conviction. Undisciplined people get really offended by focused people. You're going to offend some familiar spirits in your life. You're going to offend fear with your resolve. You're going to offend addiction with your freedom. You're going to offend anxiety with your peace. You're going to offend comfort with your boldness. You're going to offend all the masters that used to control you. Once you realize and make the decision, I don't want to be a slave anymore. And this gets tough. Because back when it was time to sign up, you heard God so clearly. God was speaking. But once you start serving the vision, sometimes it seems like all you hear is Sambalat and Tobiah. And while we're talking about them, don't they always come in twos? <laughs> they, these guys just never travel alone, do they? They always stick together. You know, this thing right here? Right? Right? <laughs> this guy. This girl, they, they always come together. It's like, you don't just get opposition, you always get insult, right? Bitterness always travels with pettiness. Lazy and critical. Fear and discouragement. Envy and rude. 
stupid questions and stupid answers. Insecurity and excuses. Hopelessness and excuses. Sambalat and Tobiah. They ain't good for nothing. But they sure are loud. <laughs> Nehemiah has to stand firm. And he seeks God about what to do. And I love this. Verses 4 and 5. He seeks God. Hear, O God, for we are despised. Turn back their taunt on their own heads. Give them up to be plundered in a land where they are captives. Do not cover their guilt and let not their sin be blotted out from your sight. For they have provoked you to anger in the presence of us. (laughs) I love the attitude of Nehemiah right here. See, what I'm asking is, how do you talk to your distractions? Is it working? Might need to get some attitude, some confidence with Sambalat and Tobiah, with the bitterness and the pettiness. Get some attitude about these things that are trying to take you away from the good work. Nehemiah says, God, shut these guys up. And while you're at it, don't even forgive their sins. Because here's the thing. You like me, and they're being mean to me. So get them. Huh. You got to learn how to talk to your opposition. I'm not talking about the online haters. I'm not talking about your mother-in-law. I'm not talking about the person who you don't even know who said whatever they said. I'm talking about the opposition. I'm talking about the opposition. How do you talk to your opposition? I'm trying to tell you, you got too much good work to do to listen to those things, to let them carry on and on. And on, and on, and on, and egg each other on, and on, and on. And oh, I'm going to keep working. Hey, guys, could you please stop? I'm still working. Guys, really, it's kind of mean. And you know what? Maybe you're right. You don't have time to waste being nice to a devil that hates you. Stand firm. So what's the key to standing firm in the midst of opposition? Is it my attitude? No, but I think that's fun. It's fun to have attitude against the devil, I'll tell you that much. It's way more fun than sitting there and getting beat up by him. Never mind, I'm not even going to go down that road. Here's the real key. Verse number six. So we built the wall. Do it anyways. How do you stand firm against opposition? Do it anyways. Do it anyways. When God says it's time to rebuild your life and fear says not to do it, do it anyways. When God says it's time to rebuild your life and insecurity says you can't do it, do it anyways. When God says it's time to rebuild your life and regret says you're probably going to mess it up again anyways, do it anyways. When God is talking to you, saying it's time to rebuild your life, it's time to step into some pain and rebuild a wall, it's time to bring some structure to some things that have been broken down, it's time to restore some things that have been broken down, and uncertainty says, well, I don't even know if it's even going to work. Do it anyways. Do it anyways. When Sambalat and Tobiah come up trying to do it anyways, give them some attitude to make yourself feel better, but then just do it anyways. 
Do it anyway. Stop sitting around, waiting around for Sambalat and Tobiah, for your insecurities and your lies, for your old habits and regrets to support you and encourage you and shout you down while you do it. They don't even like you. Do it anyways. Just do it anyways. The memories of all your failures, don't wait for them to go away. Just do it anyways. Do it anyways. You don't owe that opposition anything. You didn't start because Sambalat and Tobiah told you to start, so don't let Sambalat and Tobiah make you stop. You got into this because of what God said to you, because you got a word, you've got an assignment, you've got a burden, you've got a purpose. Don't expect them to understand. Do it anyways. Do what God said to do. Go where God said to go. Love who God said to love. Serve who God said to serve. Worship like God said to worship. Believe like God said to believe. Build what God said to build. Do it anyways. Don't let the virus steal your history with God. Don't let fear steal your hope for a future. Don't let isolation steal all your relationships. Do it anyway. Everyone's looking at Trump waiting for what are you going to do? Everyone's looking at the governor waiting for what are you going to do? Everyone's looking at restaurants, looking at schools, looking at workplaces. What are you going to do? Can I tell you, God isn't looking at them. God is looking at you. And God's looking at me. God's looking at us saying, what are you going to do? Sign up. Survey the damage. Serve the vision and stand firm. I've got some bad news and I've got some good news. The bad news is things are a mess. It's scary. It's uncertain. It's unknown. It's messy. It's lonely. It's hard. And frankly, I don't know if the next thing that happens is that this gets any easier because we're really just getting started. The good news is you were made for this. I'm going to pray for us as we close that we would sign up, survey the damage, serve the vision and stand firm. If you are watching this this morning and you don't know God, today's the day. Jesus is alive and he loves you. You don't have to have the answers. You have a choice to make. Are you going to keep doing this on your own or can you surrender? Sign up for a life given to Jesus. Survey the damage. Realize that you are a sinner. Will you serve the vision? God, I submit to you to serve your kingdom. And will you stand firm? God, whatever comes by your grace, I will stand. It's a simple decision. If you want to make that choice today to be made, not better, brand new, born again, and sign up to rebuild the things of God on the earth and the life that you have left today is a good day to make that decision. I'm going to pray for you. You can follow along with me and for all of us. Let's listen to the Holy Spirit. Say, God, start working on my heart. Show me what I need to sign up for. Show me how I can respond to your word. Put the spirit of Nehemiah inside of me. Help me believe that I was made for this. For those of you who want to give your life to Jesus, just kind of pray along with me. Jesus, I believe that you are who you say that you are. You are the son of God and you are alive. And I have sinned and I need your forgiveness. I give you my life. Would you take me and make me new? Would you fill me, Holy Spirit, so that I can build with you with this life? And God, 
for all of us, Lord. Bring us together. Help us to come back together. Learn us how, or teach us how to do this, Father. We believe that you are just getting started on rebuilding. We don't know what it looks like. We don't know how it works, but we're in one step at a time. Teach us. Teach us, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.